Welcome to Fuller Speed Ahead. I'm Craig Fuller here with Dennis Anderson, the Chief Customer Officer of ArcVest. Dennis, how are you today? I'm doing great, Craig. How are you? Good. So Chief Customer Officer is a title I don't hear a lot in our industry. Uh, what defines your role of responsibility at ArcVest? Sure. So, so first of all, thanks for having me on today, Craig, and uh, just excited to, to get to chat with you and and uh, you know, as you as you said, chief customer officer is is a relatively new uh, role, and it's a new role for our company as of this year. Um, and and really, I think for our company, it defines our customer focus and really helps uh, emphasize that. Uh, but we we look at things you know from the customer lens, and so we have a customer experience function that I've I've been part of for the last few years, but then. Uh, more recently, this year, that role, the chief customer officer, uh, is responsible now for sales, uh, customer service, marketing, really our customer-facing functions, but also has a, a tie into our company strategy. And so, you know, at our, at, our, at our company, we look at the customer to really drive our strategy. And so, um, I think that's that's really kind of uh, contained in the in the chief customer officer role that we have here at ArtVest. ArtVest is really over the last. A decade has uh, diversified its offerings beyond what most people would have traditionally thought of uh, the ABF operation or the LTL operation. You guys are now in a lot of different markets, uh, whether it's Expedite or truck brokerage or just general 3PL services. What is the breadth of the offerings at ArtVest today? Yeah, I think that that's a great point, Craig, and, and something that we're really proud of, and I think something that's really uh, helped us this year in particular, uh, but but the, the breadth of services really cover virtually any kind of logistics offering uh, that a customer would need, from really managing a supply chain to being able to fulfill in different modes like truckload, LTL, air and ocean, um, you name it, we we can do it. And so that's as you said, we really had our roots. We're we're almost a hundred year old company, and we had our roots in the LTL industry with ABF. And really, over the last five to ten years, I would say, um, have really expanded and grown uh, those additional solutions. And so now, you know, ABF re represents about two thirds of our business, and so the other third, uh, roughly, is is really these what we call asset light logistics services. So if you hear us talking about that, um, that's what we're talking about is really these these other services around um, LTL. But we're very capable. And those services, we, we, have, we have the opportunity now to be able to integrate uh, a lot of those services. And that's, that's one of the things that we've noticed that's, that's been really, really important for our customers is to be able to have those services make sense together and not just you know, work with us in a, in a silo of truckload or in a silo of, of LTL or even in a silo of Ocean or, or Expedite. Um, but to be able to put together unique integrated solutions because supply chains are different. And so customers need different kinds of solutions and maybe packages of those kinds of solutions together. And, and we're able to do that, to do that. Now Dennis, in the role as chief customer officer, are you effectively a czar for your customers, helping them represent their interests and needs and opportunities throughout the organization? Is it, is it very matrix oriented? It, it can be. I mean, we have um, more of a, a uh, more of a strategy of, of you know structure. The structure is not a whole lot different than what you might see, but very very collaborative across the company with different 
uh, different roles. And as you said, really kind of looking at things from the customer perspective and putting those things together that make sense for the customer. The other thing is to make sure that we're delivering uh, on what we say we're, we're delivering. So when we make a promise to customers to understand how we're uh, how we're delivering on that promise and how we're impacting their lives. And, and a lot of times that's that's pretty difficult uh, for a company to do, uh, especially if we're thinking about our business from from our perspective. Uh, it's it's not the same as as what a customer is gonna is gonna see our business from. So being able to put ourselves in their shoes, uh, empathize with what they're going through, know their supply chain, uh, understand what they're trying to accomplish, and then get that accomplished is a really really uh, big focus of, of a chief customer officer and, and our, our organization. Now, disruption has been a relevant and prevalent term throughout 2020. I think everyone across the globe uh, has had some level of disruption in their lives. Certainly businesses that are in the supply chain have faced dealing with their own disruptions and really across their whole uh, business. When you're talking to clients that are in the supply chain, the customers of ArcBest, what is the biggest and most consistent questions that or challenges that they're dealing with that they're asking you guys to help them solve? Well, I think that's a, that's a great question, Craig. And first of all, I'd say, you know, 2020, I think, has redefined the term disruption uh, for, for most people. And, you know, when we're, when we're talking to our customers, you know, many of them are dealing with some level of challenge meeting demand. And either that's uh, either that's they've they've changed how their supply chain works, or they're they're you know it might be a retailer that uh, is is really really leaning into e-commerce right now, uh, which makes a lot of sense. But that that creates a lot of challenge within their supply chain, um, really all the way back upstream, and then all the way back into final mile. And so um, understanding, you know, where, where the demand's coming from and then how much of it from where, I think that's one of the things that we've seen that's been really surprising. It, it, encouraging is the recovery, um, since, you know, first, first part of the second quarter when, when I think most people really felt the impact of the shutdowns. But since that time, you know, the discussion's really about, you know, where and how much demand is coming back on. And that's not consistent. And that's a real challenge. Uh, for our for our customers to deal with, whether they're a retailer dealing with consumers or whether they're back upstream, maybe a vendor dealing with retailer, um, knowing you know what I, I can't deal with when my orders uh, or, or when my orders come in, I can't deal with the quantities that are I'm being asked. Or in the retail industry, for example, uh, you've seen retailers really dial up uh, the the ante on compliance, and so really enforcing higher a higher standard for compliance for customers. And so um, it's a challenge really knowing as things come back and as things have improved from a, from a business level perspective, um, how to deal with where that demand's coming from and then how to be able to meet that demand, especially, you know, we've, we've got an industry uh, that's, that's challenged from a capacity standpoint and, and being able to navigate all of those things, I think, and be able to serve customers well. I mean, we're we're experiencing it as as consumers. It's really really tough uh, in the logistics space right now, and and so what one thing I think that presents. I mean, anytime you get a challenge like that, um, it really presents an opportunity because when you look at uh, the value of logistics, it's never been greater. 
and never been greater for us as logistics practitioners. Um, the value of being able to deliver on promises is is huge right now, and so um, I think that's that's really driving a lot of the a lot of the questioning is is just you know how am I going to be able to serve this demand that's coming from places that I've never seen before maybe or it's or it's you know creating a pull from areas of my supply chain that I haven't uh, been as invested in before. Uh, so, so I really need to understand it. So, a lot of the a lot of the historical modeling or or the you know the look back in history is is just really really difficult to rely on. And so, that's when it's important you know that that you have a partner that's really looking forward and and being able to uh, you know understand what what kind of options there are and being flexible and nimble. And I think that's one of the things we talked earlier um, about the. The, the capabilities that our company has, we, we've been able to be in conversations uh, this year with customers and about their challenges and solving those challenges that I don't think we would have been in uh, 10 or even five years ago. Um, so that's encouraging. But I, I would say, you know, to answer your question most directly, it's really about how do I serve this demand uh, and, and then how do I configure my supply chain to really be as nimble as possible and as flexible as possible because I don't know where it's coming from and I can't rely on history. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned history. There's been, before COVID and, and perhaps the very first part of it, it's this interesting dialogue around historical data versus sort of real-time market data. Um, our argument's been that you want the fastest, most relevant information in the market. And I, I think COVID sort of reset everything and sort of, uh, changed how we operate. Volatility has always been a factor in our industry. Um, even before COVID, that was accelerating. There was a lot more volatility. These cycles were uh, very deep on the upside and very deep on the downside. Uh, what is your take on volatility? Is it a permanent fixture uh, in our industry? Is it going to accelerate? What is your thoughts on what's happening around uh, the, the supply chain industry? Yeah, Craig, that's a that's a great observation, and I think uh, you know volatility is something that you know we we all we always complain about uh, when it happens, but it, it's something that if you if you do look back at that history, it's it's not ever not been there. Um, so you know, just our industry in general is very cyclical, uh, but as you mentioned, you know, especially this year, those cycles tend to get deeper, and and so you know, I, I think. You know my my view, and and you know I don't have a crystal ball, but I think it's it's best to be prepared for volatility um, because that that's just you don't know when the next uh, pandemic, hopefully never, but when the next pandemic might hit um, or or something like it that really causes a shock. And I think um, you know that's that's one thing that that. You know, another thing that's emerged this year is this discussion of just-in-time uh, supply chains, and and those don't deal with volatility very well. And and it, when when you look at the future and think about volatility being there, I mean, I've, we've heard some discussion about, well, do we need to increase safety stock, or we need to think more about um, how our supply chains laid out and not make it so lean. Um, which that's been a you know lean has been a has been a principle in supply chains for for decades, and so I think it, it really is the volatility is causing people to think differently about how they structure things and about how they how they partner um, with with different supply chain providers and 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 then just having flexibility because when things are volatile 
you know you're not going to be able to pull your normal levers uh, to get to get product moved. And so I think just um, being prepared for that volatility involves being flexible and and really just having a lot of options at your table, which which probably uh, requires a little bit more investment than than you would have made in a in a lean type environment. Um, and so I think that's something that you know as as we move into 2021 and then think about the next few years uh, that supply chain managers are really going to have to consider and 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 really think about because they're having to make cases to their C suites. Uh, about supply chains and, and investment in supply chain. And so, you know, I think, I think this year uh, definitely has served as a wake-up call on uh, just what volatility can do and the, the risk that it can, it can put to a supply chain, but then also uh, this, the risk that a supply chain can put to a business if that volatility is not prepared for. Yeah, I would imagine you're getting invited uh, into a lot deeper and higher level conversations across the organizations because supply chain is cool all of a sudden. It's important all of a sudden. And I think the people that have been managing through this process um, often are taken for granted inside their organizations, inside their shippers. And now that seems to be emerging. I mean, I, I watched the vaccine roll out. I talked about this earlier where I watched the vaccine roll out and it seemed like we were almost heroic. This was our D-Day moment uh, for our generation. And it was, it was really awesome to see on national media where the trucks were rolling out, the planes were taking off, and you just felt like this was our moment to really shine. What are you seeing in terms of how uh, supply chain professionals are, are being engaged in their organization? Um, is this making it to the, the C-suite? Are you getting invited to, to have conversations with executive management about what's happening beyond folks that are typically involved in it? Absolutely, Craig. I think, you know, when we look at, uh, first of all, I, I totally agree with you. It, it's really exciting and, and gratifying to see uh, professionals that in the supply chain industry that have worked for, in many cases, decades uh, on these things that are thankless in, in a lot of organizations. And then to, and then to see that celebrated uh, when it matters and when the when the chips are down and to see those folks really rising to the occasion, um, that's just exciting. And, and you know, I, I, I applaud everyone that's that's working through that right now. But I think you're right. I mean, supply chain has never been more relevant. Uh, and so supply chain leadership is really getting a lot of focus uh, from that C-suite. And, and I would say, you know, this year, absolutely. We've been in more conversations uh, with the higher levels of the organization uh, than we ever have. And, and I think it's, you know, from, you know, customer examples where it's their first time to be talking to a, a logistics company to manage anything for them. Uh, normally they've, they've had all direct relationships with, with carriers and kind of approached it from a DIY perspective, but, you know, having, having their C-suite in a conversation to say, what, you know, how, how can a logistics company really help us be strategic about what we're doing here and so that's been really, really gratifying because it's it's an attention getter um, with with the business when you understand how much supply chain is a competitive weapon uh, in in business. And so that that has been really, really exciting, really, really gratifying. I think that that changes the game. It changes, I think, our relationships uh, with shippers going forward. I think I think you know permanently. It's a it's a totally different conversation. Uh, when 
when leaders of companies really understand what supply chain does for them in their business and what it, you know, what the risk that it poses for them uh, if they're not paying attention to it. And so, uh, and I think unfortunately, a lot of times it, it takes the risk and the downside uh, to really get attention, but, but uh, you know, that's, that's happened uh, this year. But either way, it's great to be uh, in that conversation. And I think it's great for the supply chain professionals uh, in those companies that, that maybe haven't received that recognition ever, but are in those conversations now with their C-suite. I mean, it's often, I use the comparison of electricity. I don't think about my power company until the power's off. Uh, and then I, I'm really thankful that when they come out, we have a really good local uh, utility here in Chattanooga called EPB. And uh, we, they serve our internet uh, as well. And I'm just thankful because I was at my uh, uh, mother-in-law's house up in New Jersey and the internet, they had, I think, Verizon or something. It was just horrific. And, you know, it, when you call them because there's a problem, they're like, well, you need to reset your modem versus they'll show up here. And so I think that's, that's the same case in supply chain is that people don't think about it until it becomes important and, and, and it's, things do break down. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation, and historically, supply chain has been viewed as a cost center and a way to optimize out expenses, which us in the industry, as providers in the industry, hate because it, it means that we become a commodity. Are you seeing um, that change in how people are approaching uh, their budget? Are they building more uh, flexibility? Are they empowering uh, folks that are in those decisions to, to perhaps buy a a higher quality provider versus the lowest and cheapest guy on the routing guide or girl? Yeah, I, think, I think that a, a little bit of that is changing. I mean, I, I think there will always be cost pressure. Um, no, I, I don't see a, a day where uh, that, you know, all of a sudden just uh, take, take as much uh, investment as you want and, and go get it done happens. You know, so, some companies that's, that's the, where the cost of failure is, is just greater than, uh, than the cost of anything, that might be the case. But um, I, I do see, you know, there's still a cost conversation, but I think there's there's a better conversation in that people, as I said before, really really are recognizing supply chain as a competitive weapon. And when you look at it that way, it's, it's, it's similar to what's happened, I think, with technology over the last few years. Um, because you know a lot of a lot of companies have looked at technology as a as a budget line item and you know percent of revenue or whatever whatever benchmark they're looking at to to look at technology costs and people have realized that when they make the right investments in technology uh, they can really do some exciting things competitively and I think that's that's what you're seeing uh, in in supply chain and and maybe maybe some of that is is very early innings conversation but uh, definitely, when when you look at it as as a risk or a cost that you just have to deal with, um, that's that's one perspective. But really, when you when you look at turning it around into that competitive weapon, I think um, that really is leading to different kinds of conversations uh, that, that we're in this year. And so that's that's really exciting. And I think as people you know look ahead, kind of turn the page to to what's next. You know, it's not a new normal. It's just what's next. Um, I, I think that is definitely uh, something that we're starting to hear uh, companies view supply chain as is really more of a competitive weapon than a cost center. Yeah, it seems like if I'm responsible for freight movement or helping uh, manage a company's supply chain, and I've got to go in front of the CFO uh, because something's happened or the 
chief sales officer, commercial officer, retail officer, whatever the role is, or the CEO for that matter, and I have to, to, to go in front of them and explain what's happened, I would want people like yourself around me that can talk about context across a, a very large ecosystem, not uh, just because you're the cheapest guy. I, I wouldn't want to have that conversation because I chose the cheapest person. It's the old adage, nobody right. gets fired for buy, uh, buying IBM. I think that's also true in these situations where something as critical, uh, it's important to have folks that you can talk intelligently about what's happening. They become a resource in many ways. That's exactly right, and and that's that's the way that we uh, that we talk to our people about engaging with customers. We're there to be a trusted advisor uh, for them, and and somebody that can really help them navigate uh, those kinds of conversations within their organization. Because I think that's that's really important, uh, an important part of what I talked about earlier: stepping in stepping in the customer's shoes, and and you know those those supply chain managers they have a job to do every day. And, and being able to, to report to their C-suite uh, effectively is something that we can really help with because we, we understand broader uh, industry dynamics. And you know, what's going on in our industry is, is not even, is not contained to a single mode. I mean, the impacts of this year um, have been really, really uh, broad. And I think we, we were on a customer conversation uh, a few days ago and, and just reflecting on the the types of impacts, the breadth of impacts, and and really going mode by mode and thinking about how each mode has really been impacted through this pandemic, and and it's it is really it's it's difficult to try to absorb all of that and understand all of that, and so you know I think it is it is important to have strategic partnerships that allow you to to you know come together with those organizations and and you know, provide a better picture of what's going on so that you can make smarter investments. All right, Dennis, I always ask folks, uh, put them on, put you on the spot a bit. Predictions for next year, how much of this volume that we're all seeing across the industry is persistently going to stay? Or how much of it is going to go away when people resume events and activities? Uh, do you think this is a permanent shift in how consumers consume goods? Or do you think it's going to, we're going to see a, a, a slowing uh, a volume in the industry? That's a great question, Craig. And yeah, I think, um, you know, when we look at, we look at all the indicators that, that we look at, um, there definitely see, seems to be some legs uh, for some, some period of time, uh, even on the demand pieces of this. I mean, for us, you know, we, we look at the industrial economy quite a bit. Uh, we all also look at retail inventories. Uh, those those things tend to indicate that there's some there's some runway here. Um, you know, as, as I said before, it's it's dangerous to look at history and, and try to predict these things. But those are encouraging signs um, as we look at those kinds of in indicators. Um, you know, I think it it really does come down to how consumer behavior ultimately settles out here. I mean, there's been a lot of debate about uh, you know continued consumer spending on goods versus a reversion to spending on services. Um, you know, and I, I think that's a, that, that's, a, that's a great debate to have, uh, but I think when you look at you know, where we're at, as we progress through 2021 at least, um, it's, it's you know, the indicators that we look at really uh, even look at restocking uh, a, a lot of the goods that have, that have come out. The other thing that's, that's happening is the housing market. 
is really, really uh, in, in a different place than it's ever been and very hot right now, I think nationwide. And so, you know, people have looked around at their at their homes during the pandemic and, and during quarantine and said, you know, I, I think if I'm going to have to do a work from home setup or or if I'm going to have to be in this place 24 uh, seven, then I think I'm going to have what I what I want. And so looking around for for different ways to move. So I, I think the the story is yet to be told on exactly how much this changes our lives. But uh it, it it does seem to be an event that impacts a consumer psyche longer term. That, that's that would be my that would be my thought on how that comes together. But you know, looking at 2021, we're encouraged by the indicators right now um, on on what that means just from a demand perspective. But it it really will be interesting to see how that how that impact on the consumer psyche plays out over time. Is deurbanization a factor in all of this? I think about, you know, I, I'm big on Twitter, but I, so a lot of the folks that I follow are venture capitalists that, and technology startup founders that are in the Valley and Silicon Valley that are leaving, going to places like Miami and Austin, Texas. Uh, but I also have family from New York, and most people I know have left the city. But is that a factor across the country? Are we seeing uh, sort of a reemergence of suburbia? Uh, across it and more rural markets? Have you guys seen a shift in volume across your network? It sure seems that way. I mean, I, I would be I would be hard pressed to to give you, you know, hard numbers on on how that shift is happening at this point. Uh, but but definitely you, you hear more anecdotes every day uh, about things of that nature, either either uh, figures that you know of businesses relocating. I mean, I think, I think people are taking advantage of uh, being able to work anywhere—that's that's one thing. Um, but then also, you know, you have you have some discussion. I think there was some some discussion over the weekend about uh, you know Elon Musk relocating from, from California <laughs> to Texas, and so uh, those are those are kinds of things that you know. That, again, this is an event that really causes people to step back and just think about their entire existence and what it means and where they want to be, and and so. Uh, I, I do think that that's causing some people to think through that, and 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 you know I think anecdotally that what I'm what I'm hearing is consistent with what you're saying. There's there's a there's a shift from urbanization to deurbanization for sure. Yeah, it's it seems so. Tesla, Oracle, and HP have all left to Texas in the last week, or have announced uh, uh, moving mm -hmm. their headquarters, which certainly doesn't bode well for. Uh, just the sentiment of California, you know, like I said, New York has, has suffered it. Um, it's just, it, it's a really interesting time what's happening. We're all having to deal with it in our own lives, um, but it does open up new opportunities. Dennis, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, being a part of the conversation. How can people best reach you if they wanted to reach out and have a conversation about how Art Best could help them or just get your thoughts on, on what's happening? Absolutely. You can check us out. Uh, our website is arcb.com. That's arcb.com. Uh, you can check us out there. There's, a, there's several ways to contact us through there. You can check us out on our socials as well. ArcBest uh, is is on pretty much every social channel that that you can find. Um, and and you know, look me up on LinkedIn. I'm out there as well. So uh, it's great great to be with you today, Craig. And really appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you for. Uh... Uh, for everything, and best of luck finishing out the year. Thanks a lot, Craig. Take care.